Welcome to Safety Talk. Personal safety expert Pete Canavan shares his insights and interviews experts who provide simple and effective tips, techniques, and technologies to keep you safe and secure both online and off. Here's Pete. Hello, and welcome to Safety Talk. I'm your host and personal safety expert, Pete Canavan. As a self-employed information technology consultant since 1995, and as a martial artist for almost 25 years, I bring decades of both online and offline safety and security experience to my role as the host of this show. To learn more about me and how I can help your business, you can always visit my personal website at PeteCanavan.com. So thanks so much for our listeners for being here. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and visit our YouTube channel at SafetyTalkVideos.com and get the latest information about safety tools, tips, technologies, all the great guests and products that they have to offer to help us all stay safer in this increasingly dangerous world that we are living in. We appreciate you helping us spread the word about Safety Talk and share that in your social circles as well. We need to all work to make this world a safer place. So today's guest, I'm excited. He's, uh, he's here to discuss an increasingly important topic that you know we unfortunately are hearing about all the time with alarming frequency. He's a highly experienced cybersecurity professional who has made his and his partner's vision of creating a security hub to handle third-party risks of online services a reality. Uh, Ida Cohen uh, is CEO and co-founder of a company called, uh, make sure I get the name right here. Reflectiz. Reflectiz, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. and uh, he's also a former cyber IDF officer, and he has over a decade of, informa- of um, information security experience and penetration testing experience as well. Uh, following his cybersecurity role in the IDF, uh, he was the CTO of the biggest offensive security company in Israel, BugSec. And this was followed with a stint uh, at a company called Synet, which was a uh, startup company. So I'm excited to bring him on today's show and today's episode of Safety Talk to learn more about his company. Reflectors and how we can increase uh, your cybersecurity online safety. So, with that said, it's my pleasure to bring and welcome Aiden Cohen to Safety Talk. Welcome. Hey, thanks a lot, Pink. Very, very happy to be here. Oh, we're happy to have you here. You know, it's uh, it's been a while since our last episode. This summer was a real busy one for me and my family. Uh, I hear it's you as well. You have a, a new uh, baby, new daughter. So, congratulations to you. Sure, that's uh, messing up your schedule a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, the, I have a new, a new, a new role now, and it's a, it's a, it's a new experience to be a father for the first time. She's a pretty cute, my little one, three months old, and I used to be awake at, at night. That's my expertise to be awake at night. So, me and her bonding that in that time. Excellent, excellent. So that's awesome. It's, uh, you know, the, the kids get so big so quick. Uh, it was a busy summer for me. We did lots of traveling. Uh, we have a new dog, not a new baby. A white German shepherd. Actually, I didn't even know white German shepherds existed until we found it because I like German shepherds. My wife uh, was always like, oh, you know, they're scary looking, the black and the brown. I don't like what they look like. And then she found a white one and she's like, oh, she's so cute. I'm like, I don't care what color it is. Let's get it. <laughs> uh, but she's proven to be a handful. So uh, 2021 has been a whirlwind. You know, we're all trying to get back to some, uh, some semblance of normalcy here. Uh, it's not exactly easy, but uh, as I mentioned in your introduction, uh, you know, your company prov- provides a host of solutions. So why don't we start off by letting our audience know what drove you and Israel to, to found the company 
And, you know, what, you know, given a little bit about your experience, but if you could kind of just give us a little bit of information about yourself. Okay. Uh, so, as you said in the beginning, I'm my entire career is from the security point of world, information security all over the place. Started from the IDF as security researcher, then went and managed as CTO one of the biggest offensive security companies in Israel. I was the CTO, meaning all the cool, cool stuff you can do as a hacker from a simulation attack and building Trojan horses and hacking almost everywhere around the planet. It's all what we did. Wow. Uh, and that was fun. That actually was kind of the role that you are actually really enjoying doing that for payment. And then in 2016, I found that reflected with my co-worker back then, Israel, which was the head of application security, one of, one of my best hackers that I had during the time in BackSec. Now, my role in BackSec was one of the main reasons that gave me the idea of why we need reflectives to be exist in the world. Because as part of what I did in, in, uh, in BackSec, I help companies, I help security, I help retail companies, I help finance companies to be secured and to make sure they have the best perimeter and the best application security standards. But what then I, uh, I found out, or at least I was uh, learning with them, is that they actually they are fully blind for what we are calling third parties applications or digital applications. So think about it if you are a regular enterprise and you want to start a new application. Mm-hmm. You're hiring the best developers and they are starting to develop your code and you actually care about security. So you uh, do training for them and you're doing what we are calling code review and penetration testing and you want to make sure you have the best application around the world also from security standards, you're calling people like me and we're trying to hack your, uh, your application and we actually, you actually solve all the problems that we are finding out. But what changed in the last few years is that now when you're building this application, you actually are going to load many third parties applications, framework, open source, tag. The, you can think about of, of outsource some of our application or some of your development need in order to move faster, to make to be more agile. Why, why you need to invent analytics if you have Google Analytics? Why you need to invent your own chatbot if you have so many other chatbot companies around the world? Instead of just creating everything yourself, you are just connecting your applications to those outsources. Okay, now, you can you. Maybe, now you can think that you have maybe one or two or three, but today on an average application, you can have 40 or 50 different third parties applications. And that's great, you know. But who tested them? Do you, did you ever test the security of those applications? Their developers, their trading procedures? They are part of you. So if they get hacked, you get hacked. Right, that could be the weak link. And it did. And that's exactly what we understand Reflect is. So we work with our clients and we try to make them protected, but then we show that actually connecting to the entire world of third parties applications without a single line of security on the third party point. Wow. That's the problem. And that's what got us the idea to say, wait, we need to solve the problem and we know how to solve the problem. We need to give them the tool to make sure the third party is not the weakest part in the security poster. So if you are, are consulting with a client and you say, hey, you know, you've got this great application, we've been trying to hack it, uh, your security is very good, but you're interfacing with these other applications and we found one of them has some serious vulnerabilities. 
Now, what would the next step be? Then are, is that company now going to say to that third party, hey, we've got a problem using your technology, you need to fix it? Or they then have to make the decision to not use that technology and try to find an alternate one that's more secure? So it actually really depends of the company that is asking to fix the problem and the third party need. So if you are a big enterprise, you may be able to go to the vendor and say, fix it or I'm leaving you because I'm paying you a lot of money. Right. If you're a small company, maybe it's just a risk you need to leave it and to say, yes, I'm using third parties, that part of the cost. I need to leave it then because I need their analytics. I need their ads. I need their advertising. What can I do? That's part of the risk. That's part of the world. And sometimes you can decide, yes, I will choose alternative B and alternative C because they are much better apps. And when reflect is that I'm not saying they're doing problems or doing something that is insecure. So that's part of the process. And it really depends on the kind of the risk we are finding for them and the need of this application. If it's just a nice gimmick of one of the developers and you can just replace it on a different framework, or it's a cure functionality that you need to live with it. Right. So, and I mean, you know, everybody's building apps. And so I think a lot of, there's a lot of pressure on companies to come out with applications that, you know, that, that can interact more easily with their, you know, their customers, their clients, their vendors, whoever. And so I think a lot of them, I think are overlooking that part of it. They think, hey, we developed an application. It's passed all the testing that we have, but then they haven't thought too much about the dependencies that they have on third parties, but you have. So where did you get this idea for, for starting this company? So you, you, know, you recognized that, that need and said, hey, you know, we could fill this void? Yes, and even more interestingly, one of my previous roles, I was actually consulting one of the third parties companies. One of my clients was a third party company that was installing their code on other companies. And then they asked me, how can we prove to our clients that we are secured? Because they wanted to sell for big enterprises around the world. And the enterprise that was a bit know about, about third party asked them, prove me that you are okay. Mm. And then we understand that there is a blind phone from both parts. The enterprise or the company can't really be secured from the third party. But if the third party is doing security and in saying, I did invest a lot of money in making sure my app is, my third party app is secured, how can I prove it? What they did until now, they have a questionnaire. Yeah. Are you secured? How much time you invest in security? What is the standard? Are you PCI? Are you ISO? And that's Nice. I'm not saying it's good to have questionnaire when you onboard a new onboarding a new vendor. Well, sure, but, but I know, mean anybody could answer anything on a questionnaire. Exactly, and it's very and exactly. So everyone can answer yes, of course. I, I'm not going to say I'm I'm a bad in security. I will lose my client. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you send questionnaire, and then in one in a, in a year you send the questionnaire again to see if something changed. And I will sorry for the it's a bullshit. It's bullshit. Right. So we understand that and you say, no, you need to have some kind of online ongoing monitoring that will monitor in the entire time the connection, the communication between you as the application and the third party. And when something changes, you have a new version of the third party, or maybe even the third party got hacked, then you need us, that what we think uh, that we are can, can do, to tell you, wait, something changed. 
is not is something it's not it's doing something you're not supposed to do maybe something bad because it got hacked or even something that you thought it's okay but you don't understand it's not creating you a privacy problems or breaking something you're not supposed to break on your side that's the part of the problem when you're connected together so I was looking at the at your website and uh, for those uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up in a little bit here uh, so people that are watching can see uh, it shows that um, let me uh, see if I can pop this up here and we should be able to see your your website here. So you have various solutions. So it says start protecting your, your online shoppers, for example, you know, like an e-commerce uh, you know, solution, somebody's trying to protect themselves uh, with no installation or setup. So how would, so somebody that's, that's interested in this, maybe they, they search you out or they listen to this interview and they say, hey, this sounds really interesting. I need to make sure that my app is secured. I don't want people to, you know, my site to be hacked, my customer's data to be stolen, credit cards, info, all of that. Um, so how does it protect people without having to install and set up? Are you like something that, that sits in between? So our idea is that instead of installing something on your site, changing your site, and then you have a lot of internal issues, performance issues, a lot of onboarding, hard onboarding, we did something, I think, unique and a bit different. We decided to simulate a user, a regular user like yourself, that visiting the website, not that visiting the website, with a browser, with a mouse, with a keyboard, with all the activities you will do. It will scroll the page down, it will click buttons if needed, it will look and see actually the third parties on accent, it will actually see what the different uh, JavaScript, iframe, code, pixels are actually doing as I am the user. And when I as the user will see what is actually going on, I will be able to detect if now you have some kind of an attack because the attack will be on me. Or if someone collecting data from me without my permission, which can cause a privacy problem. Wow, okay. So the idea is that instead of interfering with the site and insecurity, it's a problem. If you don't want, the system most of the time don't want now to change the entire website for any solution. It's hard, it's costly, the website is very important. Instead of that, we're just taking the site go inside as a user, normal user, like you just type, type reflectives.com and investigate the site completely, visiting all the pages, doing all the accents required in order to invoke the site, invoke the accents the site can do on me, and then to tell my clients if there's something is not supposed to be. One of the vendors or one of the open sources, one of the repositories that that's loaded on me is doing something that is maybe a problem. Right. So you, you have a, you know, a lot of customers here that are, are utilizing your, your services, it looks like. And you know, everybody's doing stuff online, especially you know, even more so with the, the COVID-19 you know, pandemic that, that disrupted everything over the last year and a half. Um, how did that affect your business? Did you see an increase in inquiries because more and more people are doing stuff online? So more companies realized, hey, we need to really make sure, you know, we, we've seen, I don't know, <clears throat> you know, a 40% increase in traffic to our website. We've got all these more people coming there. We better make sure that not only are the, the good, you know, customers that we want to come to the site having a good experience, but that if anybody tries to hack into our site, that it's secure and we're more protected because obviously the more um, exposure you have, 
you have a larger footprint, the bigger the company, the more you know, maybe enticing it becomes to, to a hacker, right? Exactly. So it's not a new thing that we all go digital. That's something that we're talking about, I think, five, 10 years. Sure. But the COVID made it accelerated, makes it so fast that companies, saints, maybe not overnight, but in, in, in just a short period of time, from doing a lot of, of what we are thinking about retail and face-to-face and physical transactions to go online. And that caused for, for, for the urgency, for the priority of them to understand that now they have a problem, we need to fix it today, not in six months, not in 12 months, today, because they have a lot of transactions and so many new users. And you know that now to be Brits can reflect on their uh, P&L on, uh, heavily, that's meta, so we much more prioritize now. So if three, three years ago, when I went to a client and it said, yes, I have a website, but I still have a lot of income from my retail and the site is new and eh, it's okay. Now we are top one because everyone moving to digital and if they didn't move to digital, they are working on, on it now and they need to make sure that it's very, very secured when they finish. So when you have a customer that says, hey, we have to make sure that we are compliant, you know, for, you know, say like, um, you know, medical or financial applications, obviously they have you know greater scrutiny from regulators and things like that. Um, what are would, the, would some of those additional challenges be to those companies that are using these third-party applications? Because I can see where you know obviously you're not running to the post office and dropping off a check, which a lot of people don't do anymore. Anyway, we pay everything online, uh, but. You, you have this, like you said, I mean, we've seen everything accelerate. It's increased. You know, we may have had a, a slow and steady or, you know, a fairly, uh, you know, decent growth curve going. But with the pandemic, you know, everything seemed to, like you said, it accelerated. So instead of being like this, now things are growing faster. And so that, um, that has to be something where you, companies just become almost overwhelmed by, trying to manage this and say, oh my, you know, what are we going to do? How do we manage this? How can we ensure that everybody has a good experience and we can stay protected? Because all it takes is one cyber attack that could put a company out of business. And, you know, I tell my clients all the time, look, you may not think you're a big enough company to have a, you know, a, a cybersecurity program, but I'm here to tell you, you're never going to recover if you are the victim of a cyber attack. So, you know, you invest, you know, a little bit of money and that could protect you and that could set you up for a plan to recover because it's really not if it happens, it's when it happens. And yes, it's a cliche, but, you know, companies are getting hacked all the time and a lot of them, you know, it's scary enough. And you could probably, you know, back me up on this. A lot of companies don't even know it, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's entire idea. They know about it probably... I, but it's too late after two or three months, I think, of being up online. And when you're being hacked, you're losing money every day you're being hacked. So the what we call today time to response, time to detect, time to response, it's crucial in order to reduce the cost of an attack. If you discover the attack on time, and that's uh, another topic. Uh, if you're familiar with the famous solar winds attack, it was mm. three months, four months, even before the first ones even started to understand there is something going, going wrong there. And yeah, and the damage but, then is already done. Yeah, in the, and the damage is done, and it's very hard to roll back from it easily. So how but does the compliance that, piece of it really um, add additional challenges, I guess? Because there, there are companies that are thinking, hey, you know, we're a big financial services firm. 
you know, we're a, a medical facility. We, we have all these records, you know, how, um, how challenging is that for you? Because you've got to, I guess, to a certain extent, become familiar with a lot of that, right? Yeah, so the compliance, I think, is a very important accelerator also of, of the security need because many companies maybe don't want to invest in security or even if they want to invest in security, they don't want to invest as much as required. And the compliance is actually, let's say, forcing them to invest. But what also happened is that almost in all the regulation, also from the security classic compliance and for even from the new privacy regulations, they all require you to do something basic, which is discovery or inventory. First of all, you need to know your assets. Right. The asset can be a website, your asset can be your third party, or an asset can be your data itself. But every time the basic in, in, in security or to start to protect, you need to, to, to know what you're protecting on. Right. And that's a challenge that is in, in this in our world, it's actually ridiculous. Most of the security companies we are meeting are, don't, are not even aware of the third parties they are using. Oh, that's scary. Secure, but they don't even know about it because who bringing who bring the third parties? The marketing team to do campaigns and analytics, the digital team to create the site, the developers to have new framework to know to have a better JavaScript. It's not going for the security. So when I'm meeting a client for the first time and I'm displaying the entire inventory of third parties application, his first reaction is what the hell are they and who let them in? My, my site. <laughs> it's not a, a factor of, yes, I know about it. Let me know how to secure it. The discovery ability of the third party and after the fourth party, the fifth party is critical. And that's the basic inevitable compliance. If you think about most of the uh, finance compliance today, they require you to know the third parties. You know, they require you to mark the important third parties and to create security program based on the importance of the, of the or criticality of the third party. So that's something that was very obvious on the change to, to this new digital area. How do you discover those third party? How do you create the inventory of application? You have it on, on the IT, on the regular IT land. That's you have. For years, we made a, a list of my computers and host and end user and, and a lot of tools that try to take your active directory and decide what is the user that you have. But on that world, it's fairly new. And even the questions, the simple questions, who are your third parties? It's a very, it's something that none of my prospects or people that I to work with know when we start to work together. They know if maybe someone knows 20%, 50%, if they are, okay, uh, they are strong, but that's it. So when that, I mean, cause that's a huge, and you bring up something that I, I, I talk about all the time too, is you've got to know what assets you have in order to know not only what to protect, but which ones are critical. Like you might have some assets that, okay, if they're affected from a cyber attack, it's not going to take your entire business down. If you're a manufacturing facility, for example, if it affects, you know, your time clock, well, okay, you can still, your machines may still be running and you can still be producing product. Um, but if it's something that, you know, your order taking system that's online goes down, now you have no more orders coming in, now you have no more business coming in, eventually that pipeline will dry up, you got to deal with it. So that's a huge issue when you're trying to figure out what all the assets are and and in designing a, a program for recovery to look at that that's a that's you know a hugely important step so for a company so when you sit down with with you know whatever the the people in the company are whoever they are that's got to be a big challenge because you've got to basically bring in everybody 
from all the different departments and say, hey, like who are you kind of the person that comes in and, and finally compiles a complete list <laughs> for them? So what does what at least I'm trying to do is to help them with prioritization of the problems. Mm-hmm. So unlike that other solution, but very common problem in cybersecurity that you're just spamming your clients with thousands of alerts and then tell them enjoy with your clients with the alert. We are trying to point them to the three, four, five applications that are doing something you need. I think at least you need to resolve them now. So instead of now, now to start to create a, a, a team of thousands, of, not thousands, but a big team of trying to understand what is the inventory, no. This is the list. We can do a later a project later to maybe remove some of the applications. But those are the five main applications that may be doing something you want to resolve today. Right. Then you know the application, you know the details, you know what it is doing, you know the risk. You're not saying that's the application, you know the risk. And then you can start and fix the most important stuff and go from there. In theory, it will be best if you can fix all the applications right. and uh, understand work with all the teams. But especially in enterprises, it's not so easy to create the team with the marketing and the digital and security all working together hand-hand, holding hands and agree together about all the applications needed to be run when and how. In theory, it's nice, but I think you know even better than me that it's, it's, it's not happening. It's, it's, it's very hard no. to achieve the, this utopia. But at least if I can detect the two, two not, not a lot, two, three, four main problems with these applications and I explain the risk today that they're creating, then I'm seeing the marketing is much willing to, to listen, the digital because you give them a threat and maybe even a solution how to resolve a specific problem and not just let's fix all the problems in the world. Yeah. And that's, you know, if you can, and, and every company has a different risk appetite, right? So some companies are willing to accept more risk because maybe they're not as, as critical in their realm, or they just don't have the budget to, to put a huge investment into the security of it. So they realize that and they say, well, you know what, we're going to take some additional procedures to make sure that we're backing up our data more frequently, maybe that we have more data redundancy, you know, and, and try to close the things that we can and, and tighten them up. But at the end of the day, we're doing the best we can. And they know that. And as long as they know that, well, okay. But then there's other companies that that can't. They have to say, yeah, okay, what are these top risks? We got to deal with them. Like you're saying, like right now, because if we eliminate these top three or four risks, it's going to make us infinitely more secure because we've closed the biggest, you know, security holes in, you know, that in our organization to deal with. So uh, that's a that's a big step forward for them because you know every little bit helps and the more you do the better it's going to be but like you said i mean we, we both know there's no such thing as 100% secure it just doesn't exist you know even an air gap system you could have somebody break into the room and steal the equipment or download stuff to a flash drive or something so there's no such thing as 100% security but if we can get close to that really close to that well we're, then we're doing you know as best as as we can right Actually, what, what you just said is something that guide myself and Israel, my co-founder, a lot. When we started to create the IP, we always had an internal fight how much secure we want to be. How the solution should be able to detect all the types of the attacks everywhere, all the time. Or want to have something that maybe is not 100% secure, but is actionable, easy to use, easy to understand, 
and not getting a lot of internal problems. Because in theory, you can tell me, Dan, you need to install your code on the server itself. That's where you can have your own proxy and see all the traffic, and then you can detect every rare case that will happen. But that will cost a lot for the client, from resources, from performance. And we try to find the balance between to, to live with security and not send the entire company in order to be secured. So I, I truly believe what you're saying, that you can't get 100%, but you can create a decent solution that will solve most of the problems, and then you can reduce the risk in order to be able to live with them and to manage them in a risk management program uh, as you should. Now, when, when the solution is presented to the client, do you develop that and then sort of hand it off to them, or do you help them manage that on an ongoing basis? So uh, when we start to work with a new client, we are actually scanning his assets, of course. And then we're actually working with him to try to reduce the risk. So we are guiding them with the most severe alerts, as I told you before, to make sure they're resolving them, which is just in them how they can easily mitigate some of the risk. Mm-hmm. Now, it really depends on the client. Some clients tell us, we have a big team, don't bother us, get me all to Splunk. I have my team of analysts, they will go with the records, that don't bother me. Some companies, maybe a bit smaller, are using a lot of our expertise. What is this alert? What do you think? What we should do? Mm-hmm. Is this risk, is manageable risk? Or are you letting me to fix it now? It is something that we have a lot of expertise since we, that's actually what we are doing on our day-to-day living. Uh, but we try to help as much as we can to our clients. Uh, the idea is not to, to give them one scan and disappear. Right. I think the real value is the ongoing process of improving your website. It not get the report, fix the one alert, because tomorrow a new version of the third party can be released. Right. And With what its you will own do then set of say, risks. Yeah, so it's an ongoing risk. You need to have the process, the idea, how it's working, and hopefully the help of us to give you the intent that something sense maybe you want to address it now. So over the course of time, you must run into the same third-party applications over and over, especially the larger ones that are used by a lot of different companies. Do you guys maintain, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, like a database of these applications with known vulnerabilities so that when you bring in a new client, you can say, oh, they're using these applications and we've dealt with them before and we know these are the problems with them. So it makes it easier for you to go in and say, hey, we know that these are the third-party applications that you're using that are, have issues. These are the known issues. These are how we need to go fix them. Yeah, it's one of the benefits that we have because we're scanning many websites around the world. We have our own inventory of global third parties applications. And it's not only from vulnerability point of view. It's also from popularity point of view. Think about it if you're a big enterprise and you're using Google Analytics. Google Analytics is maybe the most common third party in the world. It's been running on eight out of 10 any website around the world. With all due the respect, you won't sense Google Analytics. Everyone using them. And if they will breach, the entire world will breach. <laughs> so you don't really need to, to invest effort in fixing your Google Analytics or doing hard security testing on them. That's a common. But if you have another third party, that the popularity is even less than 1%, and no other bank in your region is using it, 
in let's say for a bank. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's something you need to think about. Maybe in this risk management, you need to think, wait, I'm using a, maybe a small company. So maybe their security standards are less. And if it's not, why no one else is using them? Why it's only uh, less than 1% popularity? So the idea is from the behavior that we are investigating, the popularity, you understand if what is the level of awareness for this application. And you can then make a decision. If you have a, if you saw applications that running only on your website, it's probably either your code or an attack on your code because it's not very common. Mm-hmm. So by this data, we're able to point out to the exact problems or at least to be much more smarter when we issuing an alert. Alert about a very common stuff or alert about very rare stuff that maybe is part of a direct campaign on you. So you mentioned something there. So you send out an alert. So if you've got, you know, your clients and, you know, whatever, say uh, you know, 25% of them are using this one third party application, that third party application comes out with an update. You take a look at that, that updated version and you discover there's a problem with it. Do you then send an alert out to your clients and say, hey, hold off on upgrading to this version? Or if you've upgraded to this version, there are some additional vulnerabilities that you need to, to deal with now. And this is what we found. And here are the steps to mitigate that, that problem. Yes. And, uh, and the severity of the alert will be based on the different factors. If it's a very common application or not common application. Mm-hmm. What is the change? If it's just a new version, but nothing changed, so it's not collecting any new data. It's not doing any activity that maybe be considered malicious. So it's just a spam alert. But if this new version is now opening a GPS record of your users, or now starting to collect credit card numbers, then I want to raise a higher flag and say, wait, did you allow this friendly vendor to collect all the CVVs of your users? Yeah. So by these parameters, the activity, the data, and actually the location where they're coming, we're able to understand if we have a normal version, just an update version, or a new problem. And the severity of the alert will be based on those three questions. We are calling it the who, the what, and the where. Who did it? What he did? Where he did it? Right. So are older solutions that exist right now to protect companies not as effective or are they becoming ineffective in fighting some of these new threats? Because we know that this evolves, I mean, on a daily, hourly basis, really, you know, things are constantly changing. Uh, So is that something where you bring to the table, look, you know, we have, we're a new company, we offer new solutions, we've been doing this for years, we're familiar with the types of attacks that have not only been out there, but are are new ones that we're seeing in the wild every single day. So I would, I would say, you know, why or are the older solutions that are out there ineffective in, in fighting the new threats that are, that are coming out simply because they're older and they're not as aware, maybe? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you can shed some light on that for our, our listeners here. I think that the main difference is that until the last few years, most of the solution was focused on protecting your own code or your own application by mistakes. Okay. You had training on your own developers. You had code review on your own code. You had WAF and IPS protecting the communication between the users. WAF is the application firewall. It's a common security solution for a website. 
So you had the WAF protecting the communication between the user and your website, your application, your code, your API. But then we got the third parties. And the third party is not your code. It's not your developers. And actually, they're not talking directly with you. They're talking with your users. So when you go to your best retail website and you want to buy a product, you're probably talking directly with the third parties, not going to the website. You're talking with Facebook, you're talking with Google, you're talking with analytics tool, you're talking with the payment processor, you're not going through the website at all. So the best WAF there and the best developers are a bit irrelevant here because you can be breached or can have your data leaked from the third party itself. And that I think, if I, if I make it one liner, that's the main change. The idea is that in order to be protected, it's not about protected only you. In this new way of development, when you connected all those applications, they are part of you, you need to be protect them. As you said in the beginning, that's the biggest link. If they be breached, you are breached, and it's relevant if you have the best security team in the world. No, that makes perfect sense because you've got the, the you know, because I think a lot of companies do exactly what, what you just said. They look at their own code, their own applications, their own development. They make sure that that's secure and good. And then they don't think about, I mean, maybe they think about it, but they, they're relying on the other companies' applications that they are integrating with to and trusting them that they're going to be secure and that could be a fatal mistake uh if there's a if there's some sort of vulnerability that is exploited and now you know it's kind of like it comes in the back door right it's it's we're fine but this piece that we're working with isn't so fine and that's where we have to worry about it. and that's where you guys come in so i mean that, i think that's that's a great uh you know niche and i think we need to really make more companies aware of that because i know I deal with a lot of clients and we do have a lot of integration, like, you know, with, with PayPal instant payments, for example, or whether it's with analytics, you know, through different websites and you sort of trust maybe blindly and maybe wrongly that some of those, those add-ons are secure. Now, the bigger companies, like you're saying, like Google and stuff, you, you can't really worry about them because, you, you know, waiting to pick up the phone and say, hey, Google, I think I found a vulnerability. <laughs> like, yeah, we got it. Don't worry about it. Right. Yeah. Um, but smaller ones, and they're out there all the time where you have a lot of companies which are very, um, you know, they're cutting edge, you know, they're coming up with, with new solutions. They're, they're, uh, coming up with things that, uh, are maybe, uh, wanted, you know, when somebody, you know, learns about a new technology, they think, wow, this is great. I could add this functionality to my website. Maybe it's some new type of, you know, interactive chat tool or something or whatever it happens to be. And they go and they just install it. And they're like, great, now we have this new feature, we can use this, but yet they haven't done their due diligence, they haven't done their homework, they haven't asked someone like yourself, hey, we want to integrate with this other tool. What are your thoughts on it? You know, is there anything we need to look for? Should we be concerned with that? And I think having someone like you know, you and your company in sort of your corner to be able to bounce, you know, those sort of questions off and to help with. That's, that's a really uh, valuable thing that I see becoming even more 
needed in the future. You know, there's risks, there's challenges, but we don't all know what those risks are. And that's bad because then you have a blind spot. So if, if I'm a company that says, okay, we have this, this application, we want to integrate it with, you know, X, Y, and Z companies, and they want to get started, what, what do you tell that company? Say, you know, how, so I come to you and I say, hey, you know, I, what, what do I do? to get started? How do, what would our next steps be? Because I think that's important for people listening that say, you know what, this, you know, we've got these new applications. We, we're rolling out a new version of our website maybe next month. And before we do that, maybe we should have a, new, a fresh set of eyeballs, take a look at it. So how, how would that person get started with you? Actually, in a very simple way, I will ask him to the website. If it's, a, if it's in the, in before production, I will ask him for his pre-production website, like a better website. Mm-hmm. A website is not online. I will run the scan. The scan will automatically will discover all the third parties, maybe the one he was looking for and maybe three more others. And after 10, 15 minutes, he will already have his own report, understanding uh, what they're actually doing. And then I will tell them that's the, what they're doing. Is it okay by you? And he will say, maybe it's okay. And we will click approve, meaning we'll uh, approve this con- configurable with this baseline, I'm calling it. And then I will tell them, let's continue monitoring him and make sure this baseline, which is just approved, is not changing. So if it's okay by you, they are collecting first name and last name, that's perfect by me. And perfect by you, and that's a risk, and that's the need of the third party. It's a perfect. But if tomorrow something changed and they collecting credit card numbers because they got Brits, then you still want to know about it. That you, if you allow them first name and last name, you didn't allow them credit card number. This is at least not imperfect. So that's the idea. So we start with scanning. We have the baseline. We know what we have in day one. And now I will advise them to continue scanning them to make sure what we just approved is what is going on three months from now, six months from now, tomorrow, two years, etc. So they would say, so would they hire you for, say, on like a, a monthly basis and then you would run scans or they roll out new software and then you would run that and then that becomes the new baseline? So, so the idea is uh, uh, to do ongoing scans or I'm calling ongoing monitoring because not a scan, we are monitoring the site. Okay. The interval of the monitoring is based off the risk from their point of view. Test me on a daily phase, on hourly base, on weekly base. But it can't wait for their new version. Because again, we're talking about third parties applications. So the question is when the third party has a new version and that, that's something they're not knowing. Mm. So the idea is to test as much as we can in order to reduce the time to detection of a problem. So if I will scan you once a week, in theory, it can take for me seven days to detect that a vendor or third party code or repository is now doing something it's not supposed to do. Seven days for a marketing website, it's not a big issue. Seven days for a retail uh, site that ever uh, has millions of dollars of transactions on an hourly basis can be a huge fine and a sure. huge problem. Okay. So if so, like a big e-commerce website, you'd probably recommend like they have like hourly scans, but somebody yeah, that's just using... Real time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And somebody that's just using it to bring in leads... Yeah, once a week is fine. Because... Once a week, just to mark it's okay. But once a week, not some months, just to know. And that's how we are working. It's a modular approach. Take your important asset and scan them hard. And other assets, once a week, not some months, just to make sure you're not doing something, it's a big mistake. But even if you do 
one week delay won't change the thing. It's just a marketing website, not something that will break your business. Very interesting. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure people are, are fascinated by, by what you're saying and how you know, this can really help improve the security of, of all types of businesses. And it's, it's great because you kind of have a customized approach based on, on the type of business, the type of application, the type of website, which is, is perfect because you know, some things make sense for one type of business. They won't make sense for another type of business. Now, there's all kinds of um, you know, problems that are created by these. And so what, what are those solutions? So you, you find the problems, right? Somebody rolls out, you, you're scanning an e-commerce website every hour, all of a sudden, you know, tomorrow at two o'clock, something pops up and say, hey, there was a change here. Now, what is the next step if it detects a vulnerability? So it really depends on the vulnerability. So if we just discover a malicious code that's running on your site, there are not a lot of stuff to, to think. You need to remove the code at once and start to do the damage, uh, uh, damage control to understand what happened. Mm-hmm. If you have a new behavior, meaning you have a third party that have a new version and the version is doing something new, now the question is what is something new? You probably will run towards the vendor or at least to the owner on your enterprise, on your company that is inside of the application and ask him, do you know they're now doing tracking on your camera on microphone of the users? Do you know they're collecting GPS or now have a problem with privacy? Maybe we'll say yes. That's the reason we bought them. That's the reason we're using them. And then you can just approve and go to sleep. Right. But if it's a new version, you maybe want to do inquiry. Or maybe you will decide to remove them just for a few weeks or days to verify the activity. Or maybe even to change their location and to say, okay. I don't mind them to collect those data on just my marketing people that are going to my marketing website, but my people that are joining to the authentication banking site, my actual consumers and clients, I'm not allowing them to reach the GPS or the account details data. So the idea is that either you can change the data they are exposed and then limited exposure, or talk with the vendor to understand if it's okay or not okay and maybe remove or remove them if it's a big problem. And sometimes, by the way, it's just to update the privacy policy. You know, we are in a very highly privacy world today. And even if all okay, and you have a new version that is doing something it's supposed to do, but it's collecting PI data, you maybe at least need to update the privacy policy and maybe your cookie consent to make sure what you are saying to your consumers or clients is what you're actually collecting from them. So we can be a variety of options, and that's based off the problem that was found. I'm not saying you're going to have on a daily basis the next uh, zero-day attack that will break your site. I'm not saying it. It's not on a daily basis. Let's be honest. I want to give you the value on an ongoing basis for the small problems that it will be secured and reduce the attack surface. And I will find the zero-day that will happen once a year, once a two year, when all goes hell and you need us to be protected. We'll help you with both of the cases. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's so good to be able to give somebody that peace of mind, knowing that somebody's kind of got your back. So um, we're, we're cranking right through here. Um, I want to pull up your site again and just kind of let people know here. So we've got, uh, you have three different solutions that are listed on the site. There's an e-commerce protection, a financial website mitigation, and then enterprise 
enablement. Uh, we, so we, we kind of talked about the e-commerce side of things and what you, know, you can do to protect shoppers and their data and, and know what's going on there. Uh, the financial uh, website uh, mitigation, what, uh, what can you tell us a little bit about, about that? So that unlike, yes, thanks. So unlike uh, retail that are mostly focused on what we are calling web scheming, mates card, like intervening with the credit card numbers and still user data, financial institutions and a lot of, a lot of other compliance issues, regulation issues. They have a lot of other type of data. And for that, they need the visibility. They need to have connection with the third parties to the compliance. And we talked about that, about the need to discovery and need to deprioritization. And that's what we're trying to give them, not only to detect the malicious script that will happen, and that's, as I told you before, we will do, but to give them the ability to do inventory, to understand this application, to understand to prioritize what are most important stuff we need to do now, what are the problems that they have. And think about it, that most of the time, those companies add a lot of more resources around the world. There may be more assets. They maybe have more a, a service or domains, and then they need one tool that give them the visibility and discovery ability in order to maintain the security posture and the different compliance requirements they have today. Yeah, because it, I mean, like it says here, you know, you're, you're asking people questions that I bet a lot of companies can't, can't say yes to, you know, such as detecting, you know, changes that are made to the website from third-party apps like we've been talking about, uh, monitoring, you know, different things that are being used on the company's digital assets. Uh, and then, as you were mentioning a minute ago, you know, what information and PII data personally, you know, identifiable information uh, that the third party is, is collecting. And if, you know, if the company knows about it, the, the president, CEO, whatever knows, like you said, okay, great. You're aware of it. You know about it. Not an issue. Great. Keep, you know, go, go on our merry way. But uh, it's, uh, it does a lot of stuff here. Cause like I said, I went through the website the other day and uh, you know, client side security and web skimming, um, you know, digital inventory and asset management, compliance, security of your domain, <clears throat> digital tag security. So it's a lot of different things that the company that your company does, which is which is fantastic, and uh, and and like I said, is well you know well, much needed today. Uh, and then the enterprise enablement. Uh, what uh, obviously you know we, everybody's got all these third party apps that integrate, but. It says here that you guys protect digital assets again against uh, you know risk from those third-party apps on the sites, and you have full visibility and efficient control without adding a single line of code. So is that where you guys kind of you're sitting there and you're monitoring everything as it happens, um, as it says handling risks at large scale? Yeah, it's more of like the regulation and compliance side of it. Yeah, but on a high level, and I will explain. So we saw that some companies around the world. One of the challenges is not only the third party application, is the amount of their own digital assets, the amount of sites they have. So it's not only to manage my, the risk on my site and to make sure my reflect is secured, it's first to understand which are the assets that I have. And, and we have clients today that have thousands of thousands of websites. And even if you have the best solution in the world to make sure your single website is secured, you need a strong tool from my point of view that will allow you to manage a global um, corporation that have branches all around the world and have websites all around the world in just one dashboard. In the end, if I will issue you thousands of alerts on every given website, 
you will just be overwhelmed. You won't be able to do anything. And what you are expected to do, to go over 3,000 sites every day and checkbox thousands of alerts, it's not relevant. So what they're saying in the Enterprise Enablement is that we are supporting, we are able to support today companies with thousands of sites, thousands and tens of thousands of sites, with just one dashboard that is with just few clicks, can connect you for the specific problems in every one of your specific sites based on the different challenges, different risks, different categories that you have, different problems, and to be easily connected with your other departments, your marketing department, digital departments, in some kind of a workflow, so you can talk with them directly all within the dashboard. Because it's not just to detect the problem, it's to make it actionable within a multi-site organization. Yeah, I, for those watching uh, this on YouTube, the uh, I have that dashboard sort of snapshot pulled up here on the screen as we're talking and you can see where it's got like all the domains on the one side and your active alerts. And then as you were just mentioning, you know, the, the different issues you have through different categories, whether it's related to, um, you know, malicious things or inventory or whatnot, or domain problems. So that's fantastic because yeah, if you're a big company and you're somebody who's trying to deal with the security of all of these different digital assets, it's easy to get overwhelmed because it's like, how do I track all of this? Okay, I got to track this one over here and this one over here. And you know, if you've got hundreds of sites, it, it basically becomes impossible to stay on top of it all. And you you pull it all together in this dashboard, uh, you know, the enterprise toolbox as you call it here, and um, with this unified dashboard, it's amazing how uh, how it looks because you have you know the, the the workflow status and you know what's what's happening here on it. So I. Uh, I can see a, a tremendous amount of value here for, for companies and really encourage you to take a look at this solution because, um, you know, and your company here, uh, Reflectors, is, is really, I think, onto something with regard to, to helping businesses stay more secure. Um, you know, attacks like the SolarWinds attack, you know, shed a lot of light on it. Uh, we had the, uh, the pipeline hack occur. Uh, you know, this past year, we've had so many of these cyber attacks that are occurring and it may not just be a, an attack. And I think the sort of the thing to take away from, from our interview today for, for people is that a lot of companies are concerned about their, their companies being hacked, you know, actively, but not really thinking about the vulnerabilities that exist that they have no control over that they may need to become aware of so that they can be more proactive. And, and I think I'm, I'm kind of bringing that all together for you there. Um, and, uh, you know, in a way that is more, more readily understood and more, um, you know, bring, brings that awareness to people. So, you know, anything anybody can do to make their, digit, their business more secure is obviously a good thing. Um, so do you, how do you, I mean, I might get into more details, unfortunately, we're, we're running out of time, but uh, I'm assuming you guys charge either by the, the type of solution or the amount of data or the frequency of monitoring, that sort of thing. So you have different sort of solutions for different companies? Yes, which the, the main question is the, is the interval of the scanning and the amount of assets. If you have one asset to protect, 10 assets to protect. And some other questions about the enterprise requirements, but in the end, how many assets you have and how much time you want us, in what is the interval you want us to scan them? A weekly, daily, one in, in real time, and five in weekly, and then we create a bundle for you. 
Gotcha. And so what do you charge like monthly or yearly or? Most of the time is yearly. In, in security, it's a bit more common to do yearly. Right. Uh, you know, in the first month, we're more working with the clients to making sure they are secure. We're getting the baseline. We're reducing the attack surface with unneeded applications. And then later the, of the year, it's mostly of the monitoring and, and the ongoing protection to make sure nothing breaks our baseline. That's awesome. So, you know, I know, we're coming to the end of the show. It always goes quick, right? <laughs> Fly through an hour here. Um, yeah. other, uh, do you have any last thoughts for our audience before we wrap here? Yeah, so I have a, a short story uh, to say that uh, if you, I don't know if the audience know, but Ticketmaster, the brands in UK got breached on 2018. Oh. And they got breached by a third party application. So they had the malicious code running on their website and I think around 50,000 credit card numbers got leaked and they got fined because of GDPR and they created other problems. But the interesting story is not that they were breached, it was they was actually not breached. One of the third parties got breached, his servers, his domain, his code, and Ticketmaster loaded the malicious code without any security tool and then ran the malicious code. And when they, they got the fine from the GDPR, uh, from the European court, they claim that they're not their fault. They're not the victim. They're, they're the victim. They're not the, the, the attacker. The third party got breached. It's a different company, a what company. And the court tell them, if you decided, and I'm speaking in my language, but there is a, a more... A better way to say it, I guess. When you decided to add a third party to your site, you are accountable to his accents. You can't say, it's not me, it's them. If you decided to implement a code in sensitive pace, like a, a payment process, you need to have the decent security procedures and tools to make sure they are doing what they're supposed to do. You can't say, it's not me, it's them. So they learn it on the hard way, and we are trying to make other companies not to learn it in this hard way. So ignorance is not a defense. <laughs> in this case. Very interesting. So great. Thank you for sharing with us. Uh, if uh, our listeners are interested in learning more about you or your company, uh, you can go to the website reflectiz.com. That's R-E-F-L-E-C-T-I-Z.com. Uh, you can also find you on your company on social media, on LinkedIn. Uh, just search for the company name. And uh, we will post those links on the, uh, the interview when that goes up. So uh, really appreciate you being here, Aiden. And uh, again, uh, from, uh, from Israel, joining us here. Uh, we've been getting a lot of uh, guests on from all over the, all over the place. And uh, it's, it's fun. It's interesting. And it's great to, to get that additional you know, perspective and information. So thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Safety Talk, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Get the latest safety and security information and past episodes at safetytalkpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. So until next time, everybody, please stay safe. Thanks for tuning in to Safety Talk. You can listen to past episodes and get the latest safety news at our website, safetytalkpodcast.com. Be sure to visit our other websites for free safety checklists and infographics. 
You can also sign up for free online self-defense training, learn about college campus safety, and find out more about Pete and how he can help educate your school or business through his speaking, workshops, seminars, and consulting. Subscribe to the Safety Talk podcast and never miss out on any new safety information. Until next time, stay safe.